DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I am delighted to be joined once again by Dr. Peter Craved, who is a professor of philosophy at Boston College and who is one of the most respected Christian authors of our time. His many best-selling books cover a vast array of topics in spirituality, theology, and philosophy. They include How to Be Holy, Practical Theology, Back to Virtue, Because God is Real, You Can Understand the Bible, Angels and Demons, Heaven, The Heart's Deepest Longing, and A Summa of the Summa. With Dr. Peter Kraft, we go inside the pages of Symbol or Substance, a dialogue on the Eucharist with C.S. Lewis, Billy Graham, and J.R.R. Tolkien, published by Ignatius Press. Dr. Crave, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you're welcome. It's a privilege to be here. It never fails to amaze me how with each new book, somehow you're able to tap into the extraordinary. And having a conversation between Billy Graham, C.S. Lewis, and J.R.R. Tolkien, well, I, I think this just is the topping on the cake. This is incredible. Well, uh, many things in life are incredible, and this conversation may actually have happened because Graham was very uh, interested in Lewis and admired him very much and sent some of his people to uh, meet him uh, and perhaps set up a meeting. And he was in England for one of his uh, evangelistic campaigns. So this is a, a, a real possibility. It's fascinating to me because I was born just down the street from where you were teaching at Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I grew up in this environment surrounded by, you know, the Calvinist thought, but also the evangelical inspiration of Billy Graham. Yeah. So much of what you brought forward, my gosh, I, it's, it's like I'm, I'm hearing things that I haven't heard in years. It's wonderful. Yeah, and my conversion from Calvinism to Catholicism left nothing behind. Uh, I still admire uh, evangelicals and Calvinists and people like Graham, as uh, Lewis did, sometimes in print. He said, I just don't have that talent. It's, it's amazing how he can bring people to Christ. I love the way you captured Billy Graham's humility in the fact that, as you said in, in, throughout the book, he's not a theologian, nor does he claim to be. Yeah. He yeah. essentially wants to have a conversation. And that very difference between him and the academics, uh, Lewis and Tolkien, uh, fosters dialogue. A conversation among mere academics or a conversation a mere, among mere non-academics is not as interesting as one that crosses that boundary line. Well, the one who has the closest, maybe, to the theological hat in this arena is Tolkien, don't you think? Of course. He's a, a thorough, believing, and practicing Roman Catholic. Uh, Lewis is close to him, but he's definitely not a Catholic, and he is rather suspicious of the authority of the Church and doesn't quite comprehend transubstantiation, but strongly believes in the real presence. Uh, and Graham doesn't. He's a Baptist and believes that it's simply a holy symbol, the Eucharist. So that's the fundamental conflict. Lewis is more on Tolkien's side than on Graham's side. Uh, I think that that conversation about the real presence it comes up in a, a chapter two in the book, 
and I think that's where it really hits it because it's it, it, you get into uh, Billy Graham who expresses what even so many Catholics feel today that they oh they believe that he's present but he's with us not necessarily within the elements of the Eucharist yeah subjective not objective yeah yeah unfortunately Catholics today at least uh, here in America have been so badly catechized in the last few generations some of them don't even comprehend the real presence, and many of them don't really believe in it. And some of them don't even know that they're not believing in it. Yeah, he, Billy Graham, that is, he has a profound sense of Christ, that it is all about Jesus Christ. And that's where our focus is supposed to be. And as Catholics, we believe that too, don't we? Yes, and the very... Uh, differences between Protestants and Catholics on the Eucharist are grounded by their common love of the same Lord, the same Christ. Uh, it's precisely because Graham wants to avoid any kind of idolatry uh, because of his love of Christ that he doesn't believe in the Catholic doctrine, and it's precisely because Catholics want to be totally loyal to that same Christ that they do. And then here we find Lewis. Is he quite in the middle, or where would you say he falls within this conversation? Well, the genius of Anglicanism has always been to be a kind of a via media, uh, a kind of a, a synthesis or, or place in the middle. Uh, he's much closer to the Catholic position than the Protestant position. It's very clear that he believed in the full, objective, real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's almost, it's almost miraculous that he never became a Roman Catholic. It's as if God said, stop here, Lewis. I want to keep you in the Protestant camp because you've got a job to do here. You're going to bring a lot of people over to, uh, to Rome, uh, even though you don't go yourself. You're sort of like Moses pointing to the promised land without getting in it. Yeah, there are a lot of moments here that you uh, draw from the scriptures. I think that introduction where you talk about how that first meeting came about because a couple of people were sent to check Lewis out. Isn't that unlike John the Baptist checking out Jesus? Yeah, well, even if the meeting didn't take place, it could have, and uh, the reader is invited to be a fly on the wall and uh, listen to it. Mm. And as you're listening, there are so many different things that come up. I, I think there's, the in, in one sections of the book, you talk about the, in essence, the efficacy of the sacraments. And Graham, I think, asks Lewis, can the sacrament save us without faith? And Lewis says, of course, no. But then Graham says, can faith save us without the sacraments? And then he says, yes. So are the sacraments, can they actually save you? And that's, you know, as Catholics, that's a real, the nub of why we are Catholic, isn't it? Yes. God made us both body and soul, so he gave us both souls to have faith and open charity and sacraments to mediate that grace in our bodies. So it's a complete package. It's not an either-or, it's a both-and. Mm -hmm. In fact, in the New Testament, uh, faith and baptism are always mentioned together, never as an either-or. Yeah, that is the uniting factor, isn't it? I mean, ultimately, it becomes that, that it is not I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And all three understand right. that, correct? All three understand that. Uh, surprisingly, uh, the conversation uh, works precisely because they have 
such a unity that they're allowed to have that diversity. Mm. As you were imaging this, okay, you can imagine Billy Graham approaching C.S. Lewis and and having the conversation. Could you ever see Billy Graham going towards Tolkien? Tolkien was a bit of a curmudgeon, uh, and uh, I tried to portray that in the dialogue. He, he holds back for a while, and then he finally uh, shoots out with all cannons, and his <laughs> uh, Eucharistic piety is very impressive, even to Graham. Uh, I assume that Graham is open-minded enough that uh, he respects the piety of a man whose beliefs he profoundly disagrees with. Mm. Yeah, we really do see that sense of his piety, I think, drawn from his letters, don't we, of Tolkien? That's where he he may not see it as clearly in his fictional works, but it's there. But in his letters, when he's writing to his son, boy, he really expresses it. Yeah, he was he was kind of a manic depressive. And uh, there's that impressive letter where he says, out of the darkness of my life, I, I offer to you the, the one great thing on earth, uh, and that is the Blessed Sacrament. Would you say out of the three, none of them suffered fools very well? They all strongly believed in the absolute necessity of objective truth. They were not pop psychologists who uh, just wanted to be chummy and comfortable uh, and smile. Uh, they were more than a happy face. They, were, they, they all had great minds as well as great hearts. What is it about Billy Graham? He just, if, even for Catholics, even, as I was growing up, my grandmother, who was a devout Catholic, loved listening to Billy Graham. He's honest. He's authentic. You, you, you trust him. We, we, we have in our hearts a lot of powers that we don't recognize, and one of them is a uh, a kind of truth detector. Uh, it may not be uh, an academic truth detector or a scientific truth detector, but it's a personal truth detector. And Graham has a lot of what uh, uh, is expressed in the Bible with that word emeth. It's a, uh, an attribute of God, and it's often translated faithfulness or fidelity or, or truth. Uh, Graham is just trustable. It is, there's, there's nothing... There's no baloney in him, no hokum in him. Yeah, there was something about him and seeing him on the television, for example, or maybe even going to one of the the big meetings, that, as you said, you, you got the sense of his authentic care and concern for each person and, and, and expressing that faith. Is that capable today in the type of platforms and media that we have, I mean, to have that kind of evangelization occur? Because it's pretty ugly out there, Dr. Kraft, with Twitter and even tamer platforms like Facebook. Well, if I were to answer no to that question, I would be committing a heresy. I would be saying that Jesus Christ doesn't have the power to transcend media. Of course it's possible. It's not only possible, but it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Once once Christ is in you and you let him work through you, uh, it's not anything natural and certainly not the artificial media that's going to determine who you are and what you say. Christ is going to manifest himself in some way through you. Of course, we're dirty stained glass windows, but the light doesn't come from us. It comes through those windows. And what you envision in this book seems as though it's almost a conversation in heaven because it is done with such civility. Maybe maybe where I'm driving all this is that our, our discourse has become so uncivil, un, so unchristlike in in many respects. It all comes down to a debate. 
That's a pity because conversation is one of the great uh, gifts that God has given to us. The best things in life are free, and conversation is free, and that's one of the best things in life. So to pervert that into the uh, the kind of thing that happens in in Washington, let's say, uh, is is a terrible abuse of a, a beautiful and simple gift. So this is a kind of foretaste of heaven, and we can have a lot of them here on Earth. Mm. All we need is, is is good friends who have a uh, a common honesty and search for truth. Uh, and you can have these kind of conversations over and over. You know, the conversations that in your book that you envision Billy Graham and Tolkien having on the church about how he, Graham is so linked into the scriptures, as is Tolkien, but the conversation about the infallibility of the church in that conversation today, given the unfortunate nature of the challenges in the church, the scandal boy, it's a difficult conversation that we have with others. Well, that's not new. That's been going on for 2,000 years. The Church is not a, uh, a totally stable, peaceful, uh, already completed perfection. The Church is a process of uh, uh, very imperfect people, uh, like the animals on Noah's Ark, uh, scrabbling around, and out of this divine providence produces uh the tradition that has never contradicted itself and has always produced more leaves on that tree. Uh, the problems that we have today, uh, in some sense, are not as serious as the problems we had in the past. Uh, we're not fighting wars of religion anymore. We still uh, disagree with each other, but we don't uh, respond to that disagreement by uh, putting dead bodies into graves uh, on battlefields, or even condemning each other to hell, as we used to do as recently as a few generations ago. I'm old enough to remember a time in the 50s when most Protestants thought Catholics were not going to heaven, and most Catholics thought Protestants weren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, at best, you know, they were at, maybe the Protestants were going through the back door somehow if they were really nice. <laughs> yeah. And the back door leads to the same mansion as the front door. That's right. But, uh, of course, we know that that's not the, well, at least that's not the teaching of the Catholic Church today. So that's, you know, praise God. We'll return to Inside the Pages in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app? which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs. Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. 
Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Inside the Pages. I should let everybody know what we're talking about. Symbol and Substance, a dialogue on the Eucharist with C.S. Lewis, Billy Graham, and J.R.R. Tolkien. Boy, it's wonderful to be a fly on this wall. You give us that opportunity. and But in this, you it's not as though it's all one-sided against Graham. It's not about being against. It's such a delightful conversation. But you have Tolkien even challenging Lewis. Yeah, I imagine what what would have really happened. In in order to write a piece of, of even realistic fiction like this, you have to put yourself out of your own body and into somebody else's body and into their mind uh, and express things from their point of view. Even though it's very clear that I am a Catholic, yet I, I get into Lewis's Anglican mind and uh, Graham's uh, Protestant mind, uh, and that's not that difficult to do. Every conversation does it. Uh, the, art, the art of listening uh, is an attempt to get into somebody else's mind as he reveals his mind to you. So all you have to do is listen to people. And uh, uh, the reason we read fiction is that we listen to the characters and we become the characters and we see the same world through a different set of eyes. We get binocular vision instead of just monocular vision. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, one of my favorite chapters in the in the book. There, everyone's a, a gem, but the uh, Tolkien's faith and Graham's critique that I thought was just priceless, because you're giving us a lens or a microscope into ideally where we should be coming from as practicing Catholics. Yeah, and it it, it happens naturally. There's two ways to write a book like this. One is uh, first to start with the points you want to make and then to use the characters to make those points. That's not how I wrote the book. I didn't know where it was going once I started. Mm-hmm. I just said, well, if these three people somehow exist in me, I can pull on them uh, and, and write uh, and the conversation goes as a river goes. Uh, it's unpredictable uh, with its twists and turns. And that's what makes it much more interesting than just a book of apologetics. Oh, I agree. I mean, it's the best kind of apologetics because, as you said, it helps us to practice not only what you're going to say, like proof texting, but how you say it. For example, that section on infant baptism. As a a matter of fact, I was thinking about this even before I picked up the book about a day or so ago. 
in trying to help others understand why we um, that assent is made for the child by the parents. And Graham really is trying to wrap his brain around that and asking Tolkien to break that open. And how he does that, it's just fantastic. Yeah, and in that unpredictability, in that openness to to new thoughts, uh, you ground your own beliefs more firmly, or you question those grounds mm-hmm. and, and progress to truths that you didn't know before. It's not just a, a, a vague feeling of openness, uh, a vague goodwill. Uh, this person is not insane, so I'll listen to him. It's a, a passionate desire for truth, for for insight, for, for, for deeper understanding. Yeah, it is, uh, I think, very important, as you brought out, it, not to be afraid to ask the questions. I think there's a great fear to do that these days. I, maybe because we're not sure the answer, maybe. Often Protestants and I have a conversation about the Eucharist, and uh, uh, the conversation doesn't usually resolve things, but uh, I suggest to them that, you know, if if we Catholics are right about the real presence and you're wrong, then you're missing out on something wonderful. And if you're not sure that you're right, why don't you uh, not just pray about it, but pray about it in front of the Eucharist. Go into a Catholic church sometime and say, Jesus, is that really you there? If, if, if so, please bring me there. And if it isn't, please don't. Uh, and very often they're, they're they're very surprised at that, and sometimes they seem to be a little afraid to try it, as if it might be true. Mm-hmm. Well, and sometimes we're afraid to to do that, and also to be open enough to listen to others. We share that baptism, but yet we don't really want to enter into the conversation. Again, I think you delineate between the debate and the conversation. That's kind of lost today, isn't it? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, debate is a, a, a mental thing. Conversation is a whole human thing. And if the debate is surrounded by a conversation, it, it works much better. If, if you look at Jesus' conversations in the New Testament, uh, he, he doesn't have a, a preset agenda. He doesn't uh, uh, say, okay, I'm going to go from this point to that point. It's not like technology. In technology, you have a cause and you have an effect. You have a a button, and if you push it, you get this result. Uh, You don't do that with people. Mm. It's it's more like like dancing. Uh, You you fall into the rhythm. Yeah, there is a pattern, but it's not a a, not purely scientific pattern. It's not it's not predictable. I think the takeaway for me, and and it was such a strong one, a reinforcer was that if you've shown in recent works too, there's so much more that unites us. The greatest unifying factor of all of it is our love for the Lord. And we don't see that sometimes. We allow all these other little little splinters to divide us. And all three of these people do see that very clearly. They're all profoundly Christocentric. Uh, Lewis's mere Christianity, I think, is is, is a, a great example of a humanism. Uh, because it's probably done more to bring together Protestants and Catholics and to see their actual unity than any other book ever written. And he says in the beginning of it that uh, he got critic, uh, criticisms of that book from people in all the different churches and denominations, uh, from people who weren't really Christocentric, who were out for their own agenda. 
but the people who were most near to the center, that is Christ himself, all loved the book. You know, that makes me recall in kind of a different way, just the recent funeral of Billy Graham and how here is an example. It just stopped all of us in the United States. It didn't matter where you were, news organizations. The fact that this funeral would be broadcast on cable news networks live, how people from all over the the world would come and stop for this man, that there is something about him that needs to be heard in a conversation, doesn't it? Like John Paul II, mm-hmm. here are two great souls that you just see their their authenticity, their their piety, their honesty, their their truth. And I think that's what, Dr. Crave, that's what you captured in this book, the fact that there is something about the man that that the Holy Spirit works through him that needs to be heard. There are many of us who just still have yet to articulate what that is. Yeah, we've all got scales on our eyes, and the process of getting those scales off doesn't end until the next life. Hmm. But it's it, but it's a wonderful thing to do once once you take the scales off and and you see somebody else uh, as they really are. Uh, that's one of the great pleasures of life. Isn't in a way what you've done here in this conversation? It another word for it, honestly, could be communication. The hub of that word is communion. Yep, and and it's it's not only subjective; it's also objective. The 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 issues are are dealt with in in a tough-minded way. I mean, here, take the Eucharist. It's 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 uh, uh, an inherently divisive issue mm-hmm. because if Catholics are right, then Protestants are missing out on the most total union with Christ that's possible in this life. Uh, and if Protestants are right, then Catholics are committing the most egregious idolatry you can imagine, confusing bread with the body of God. Mm-hmm. None of these three guys uh, omit that issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, they admit it, but they surround it with... <laughs> with their common faith and their common love of truth. John the Evangelist said that, what is God? God is love. And if that common love for truth, that's going to bring them together. That's where we need to enter, isn't it? There's only two words in Scripture uh, that are predicates of a sentence beginning with God is. Uh, There are a lot of adjectives. God is just, God is wise, God is provident. But God is love is one of the nouns, and God is light is the other one. Hmm. Those two things light and love or truth and love are are absolutes never to be compromised at all when you open up the pages of your book dr craft this is what you encounter light and love thank you so much i wish we had more time any final thoughts uh well do the kind of thing the book illustrates uh you don't have to write the book in order to have conversations like the ones in the book Mm. but uh this might be a a model for you so uh Read the book. I think you'll enjoy it. I wrote it for ordinary people. It's the best kind of evangelization, I'll tell you. Dr. Peter Crave, thank you so much. You're welcome. God bless you. With Dr. Peter Crave, we've gone inside the pages of Symbol or Substance, a dialogue on the Eucharist with C.S. Lewis, Billy Graham, and J.R.R. Tolkien. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to ignatius.com the website for its publisher, Ignatius Press. Or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. 
We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com. And join us next time for Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors.